What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakian. Super excited to be talking about nature-based evolutionary spirituality. We have Josh Silver joining us on the show. Hi, Josh. Hey, Alan. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It's a great pleasure to be here. So pumped. So pumped for this yeah, conversation. Great. Thank you. Thank you. For those that don't know Josh's background, he's been pursuing expanded consciousness for over 40 years. And you can find his links in the bio below. Wow. Today's been so much fun. We've been literally having a ball. <laughs> yeah, we've been playing basketball. We've been playing with throwing the discs around, hanging out with Ori and his brother, Gal. It's been a lot of fun. It's been yes. a lot of fun. We've been, been like great. unleashing our inner child a lot today. It's yes. been great. And the way that you engage with nature is so beautiful. And I'm so pumped to be talking about that and kind of the new paradigms, if we can systematically awaken spiritually. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, let's start things off by asking one of our favorite questions. What are your thoughts on the direction of our world? Well, it's the best of all worlds and the worst of all worlds. Um, we have access to all the world's knowledge. Um, and we have, in a lot of places, the opportunity to pursue that. Um, and just the, there's an evolution of consciousness that is what's happening on the planet. At the same time, we're mired in uh, a media-generated world that is so, um, it's, well, it's, it's, it's pretty horrible. <laughs> it's, it's a horrible uh, way to represent what existence is. And when, if you look at what's coming out of the screens, mostly this is, um, it's just bad for our souls, bad for, um, it's, it's, a, it's a, there's so much coming in and, but, and it's no one's fault. We're also at a point in, in the evolution of consciousness and of the planet where we're dealing with things that we've never had to deal be with before. These bodies, these organisms evolved mostly in tribes of 150 people or less. Mm -hmm. That's so important to understand that we're designed to be with people that we know, that we care about, that we work together. If you didn't work together, you were ostracized, which was the worst thing, if you were isolated and not part of the group. We live in a world that's so different than that. And all the trends are to isolate us, isolate us to make us fearful. Uh, we live in a system where the G GDP is based on people buying things. And so we become these objects of this system that tries to make us into consuming units by separating us, by having us fear, by making us feel bad about ourselves, that makes us more liable to buy things. So what's worse for our well-being is better for the GDP. So we're at odds with a system. And so, um, and it's worse and worse. And, and, and the speed up, the speed up, I raised five children. My children mm -hmm. are 27 to 39. We raise them without screens because we recognize that, that we did not want the culture raising 
our kids. We wanted to instill these values. Well, that's obviously more and more the case. Um, so I've been very sensitized to that issue. And um, so the state of the world is such that whereas the, the trends are, are making it harder and harder, there's more and more opportunity. And that's why the nature of evolution. So um, that's a, uh, it's an essential part. And I, I like talking about things that are essential. There's certain things that are, are essential. And the evolutionary nature of, of reality is essential. That mm. we now have working knowledge of what existence is and what existence is in this corner of, of the universe. So we live in this evolving universe. And what that means is that the nature of things is that it's unlimited. And it's better and better. And there's increasing complexity and harmony and way things come together. I mean, this organism is gorgeous. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. That from nothing, from the earth, yes. we evolve these capacities. Yes. And so what I've come to, especially, is to go back to our roots that we're so profoundly cut off from nature, including human nature, that we're lost. And it would make sense that the world would be bad <laughs> mm -hmm. because we're cut off from our roots. If, 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 we weren't, if it wasn't bad cutting off from our roots, then what would we need roots for? Our disconnection from nature is immediately mirrored in the problems in our civilization. Yes. Yeah. And from our own nature, and from our own nature. So, um, and we'll talk about my path. Exactly, yeah. Um, Let's get into that right now. Let's okay, do it. So, sure. the journey. Right. Who were you growing up, and how did you even get interested in this stuff? Right. Well, I grew up in a very wonderful bubble. I grew up in suburbia in the fifth. I was born in 1954. So, I grew up... It, uh, I played a lot. <laughs> You're um, 65 right now? I'm 64 now? years you, old. You're crushing it. The way you were playing basketball today <laughs> was on fire. You know, you have taken such good care of your health and mm -hmm. that's, you know, we'll talk about some of the methods throughout the journey, but yeah. just like, wow. Yeah. We should, yeah. You, you act as a role model for so many of us to mm -hmm. be able to play with that much enthusiasm and, um, and passion yeah. and yeah. success. Yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's a gift. It's a gift, and um, yeah, we'll talk about that. So how I started out was <laughs> I did play a lot of sports, and I was co-captain of my high school basketball team and soccer teams. Mm. Um, my father was a rabbi, a uh, well-known rabbi who did not believe in God. So he was a reform rabbi. So what that means is that uh, he was getting to the essence of Judaism, getting rid of the traditional things that weren't relevant anymore, all the dietary things. And, and focusing on what's important. So my dad, what was important was the teaching, and the teaching was about loving each other. So he didn't know the term, but he was a karma yogi. Karma yogi is selfless service. Mm. So I was his oldest son. So I grew up uh, very much, I had three younger brothers, so my path was to take care of my brothers, to take care of people. And so uh, that's what I did, and I lived a happy life. Uh, as far as I knew, but very limited. I mean, baseball was my god. My gods were statistics, you know. Like batting average? Bat, all the statistics. I mean, getting the base, bat, baseball 
almanac was this thick when I was like 12 years old. That was just like, it was like my Bible. It was just like, because back then you didn't know anything. I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> this really happened. I was a fanatic about sports. And um, so I'm driving with my, in the car with my mom. All of a sudden I go, stop the car. She slams on the brakes. I jump out of the car. I run back to a house we just passed. I burst through the front door of this house. Hi, Mrs. Whitland. Hi, Mrs. First. I say to them, I go to the den, I turn on the TV. It's like, come on, come on, come on. The TV comes on and I saw Tommy Agee's steel home plate. So, um, turn off the TV. Bye, Mrs. Whitland. Bye, Mrs. First. This was my best friend. We had just passed his house. So I get back to the car. My mom's like, what the hell? What, what, what happened? You could have killed us. I mean, the way you screamed and you jumped out of the car. It's like, but mom, I was listening to the game on the radio and I heard Tommy Agee steal home plate and I'd never seen anyone steal home plate before. So I knew we just passed Joel's house. So I went back to Joel's house and went and saw it on this replay. Wow. So that, so that was like just an example of like how crazy I was about sports. Also the fact that I'd never seen anyone steal home plate. Yeah. You didn't have access to that kind of thing. So, uh, that was just a, a crazy story about um, living in that world. That was my world, was, was sports, baseball. And, You've been um, an athlete your whole life. I've been an athlete my whole life. Yes. Yeah, and playing. And um, so when I got to college, I really was interested. I had, an old, I, had a, I had a half brother who was 10 years older than me, so he was out of the house by the time I was seven. But he was into, he was a therapist and learning about therapy. So when I was barely 18 years old, I was doing full day workshops, like personal development workshops at 18. And so throughout college, I mean, my junior year, I did 200 hours of personal growth stuff. I did primal scream, I did gestalt therapy, we did empathy training, relationship. I was in a relationship thing with my girlfriend for 10 weeks where we did a relationship, uh, learning about relationships and, and interacting. But I realized that, that there was something more, and I didn't know what that was. Mm. Back in, this is 1976, I graduated, mm -hmm. and it was like there's something more mm -hmm. than psychology. And I didn't know anything about Eastern spirituality. But I started finding out, and right after college, I had an opportunity to meet someone named Swami Muktananda. And I met him, and everything changed. So I had been eking out a half hour meditation when I met him, I went to his program, his intensive, and there were two sessions Saturday, two sessions Sunday, where he went around and he imparted his touch, and he said he was a city, from the Siddha tradition, he would awaken your Kundalini and guide it. Well, all I knew was that I went into meditation for two and a half, three hours, and my mind just turned off, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I just, hmm. and, and, as I mentioned, my father, who was a reform rabbi, yep. getting rid of traditions. And so what I didn't say was, <laughs> Friday night I went there, and I saw, I didn't know what to expect, but I saw people bowing down to someone, which was, in Judaism, that's anathema. You don't bow down to a person. It's all about the teachings. That's what Christians do. They worship, but we don't do that. So that's what I, I knew that was true. And I also knew that all this traditional stuff, all these, all the rituals, that was not, legitimate either. In my mind, those were not legitimate avenues of, of personal growth or spirituality or anything. So even though my mind was saying, well, I don't know what's going on here and it's not really valuable, but I'm here for the weekend. So 
in that space, I had these amazing meditations. So it totally blew my mind. So um, I, had a just, I had just received my bar mitzvah money when I graduated college, so I had just enough money to spend two more months there with Muktananda, and then I was hooked. I, I, I spent the next four years in and out of ashrams. I was celibate, didn't do drugs, just totally on this path of meditating three and a half hours a day, chanting three and a half hours a day, and just opening to spirit. What I did that was unusual was because, because it so blew my mind, I said, I give up my, all my concepts. <laughs> like, uh, I also met him after college, so I was, I was completely open in my life. I didn't have anything, anything agenda. So I spent the next four years basically letting go of all my concepts, except one. The only thing I knew was true. And this was literally like, I really don't know what's true. The only thing I know is true is that everything is energy. Both Western science and Eastern spirituality hmm. agree that everything is energy. Now these Eastern mystics, they talk about the nature of that being bliss. And what I came to realize is that, well, Western science doesn't say that, but they just haven't invented an instrument to measure the bliss. That is actually what we are. Mm. We are the bliss meters. Mm -hmm. We are that. That is the nature of existence. It is, and using bliss is just, I mean, using words, <laughs> which is a big problem we're in right now. We're so in this word world. Yeah. And word world cannot begin, to, it can begin to touch that which is beyond uh, the word, the the concrete world. So when you talk about bliss of, of existence, mm -hmm. it's so beyond, uh, just like... So we work to become like a tuning fork with nature, which is always resonating as a tuning fork. And then you can see the humans that are attuned to nature on that same vibrational frequency. And then on the other, the energetic frequency. And then on the other side, we have we can tell there's just not tuned whatsoever <laughs> to nature humans as well. Right. And so that's this juxtaposed dichotomy between those two. And so now we're, we're talking about you know, your journey to tune yourself more towards nature and how other people can also tune themselves more towards nature. Yeah, well it's a good, tuning, tuning fork is a good analogy. Mm -hmm. And that's the vibration, I mean that is the meditative state is, is nature is just doing it. Existence is just doing it. We've overlaid, the humans have overlaid it with all these concepts, yes. with all these ways of separating ourselves. It's also really hard when you're in the middle of a metropolis to think that like nature is tuning right now. Um, because when you are out um, in the middle of the woods or by the ocean or wherever you are, um, in actually immersed in nature, you can totally feel it there in the metropolis, it's really hard. Even though you can, yeah, you know, no. around EMF and buses and cars and 100,000 humans, oh, yeah. you it's can tune in, but it's like way, way hard. hard. It is yeah. way hard. Yes, it is. And that's, that's one reason why it's, it's, that's the worst of the things because we are so disconnected. And, and I think um, the stats are, I think over 50% of people now live in metropolises. And, and they've done studies where they show where there's less trees in cities, yeah. there's worse health outcomes. Yeah. Like, it, it just, it's just a fact. So now, we're well, getting back to the nature part, uh, 
Japan has been studying the benefits of nature for over 30 years, and their national government recognizes that this is a positive thing. And so they've done things about blood pressure and stress and all these things that, that nature immersion is a, is a positive thing. It's called see, nature therapy. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's... Uh, it's yeah, so well, funny that that's how Or ecotherapists. And so, and more and more, I mean, there's book, earthing book, and, and they're just showing the benefits of this. Um, so... I'm curious, what was happening for you at the ashram? So like what, you said three and a half hours a, a day, yeah. meditations, uh, mantras, what, you yeah. know, what are the, what's well, that Well, like? Muktananda, whenever anyone would ask him about meditation, you know, how can I meditate better? He would always say, chant more. So, mm. so his, so I come from an unusual tradition, which is that, so he was a Siddha yogi. So his path was to worship his guru, and, and by worshiping that, those qualities, you become that. Mm. That's, that's the philosophy behind it. Now, obviously, there, there are issues with that. And, and, um, and Muktananda was someone who also got in trouble in terms of scandal with, with, with women. And, um, and that troubled me. I, I, I distanced myself from that. But it helped to understand that we put people on pedestals, but they're human beings. Mm -hmm. And even though this, and so someone like Muktananda, who is a monk his whole life and never been around women and really, you know, be in proximity but open to that, that the, both the, the orgasmic nature of existence, we experience that in our bodies with our orgasm. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, that's where creation comes from. We create babies through orgasm. Yes. <laughs> okay? That's our roots. So to have a spirituality that denies that is not, it, it's limited. There's a limitation to that. It, it's, I, I, I can only see a limitation to that. And so, and that's when, when people are talking about Tantra, the roots of Tantra are seeing everything as being infused with this, what I would call evolutionary life force. Now, mm. back then they didn't know about evolution, but their, my experience is this evolutionary life force, this is an actual force that exists that we can tap into. Mm -hmm. And nature is the holder of that. That by being in that, we can open ourselves up to simply what is. And it's the, it's the tuning fork, it's, it's the North Star, and it's what our bodies crave. Think about it. This organism evolved. Those whose organisms enjoyed life, that who were tapped into that which is the, that blissful nature of existence, they're going to they're going to survive, they're going to pass on their genes more likely. I mean, everyone knows that feeling good, being happy, positive psychology is that's good for your well-being. Yeah. Okay, so this is what our roots are. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to convey an evolution, uh, evolutionary advantage to us. Yes. So it makes sense, it totally makes sense to get back into touch with nature and to let that inform us and our bodies 
are designed to be in nature and to be in a co-creative relationship with that. Mm -hmm. One thing I love doing is being out in the cold. Okay. So I'm not at the Wim Hof level, though I have, I guess I've been in 34 degree water when I've done hot cold. Mm -hmm. But it's more nature-based Wim Hof. It's like if I'm outside, and I often love to be outside at sunrise and sunset, and it can be cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my body wants to experience nature as much as possible. So the least amount of clothes on is better. So it, it's, it's that energy of the cold is very stimulating. You really have to open to it and take it in mm. and, and, and best be one with it. Yes. But really open to that. That's something that conveys, I mean, I love hearing Wim, Wim Hof talk about how it's so good for our health that, that the, the cold squeezes our capillaries mm-hmm. and gives us energy and gives us vitality and helps our immune system fight things off. So nature, just being in it as it is, um, that's just one, the cold is, is, is a beautiful way to open to this natural way of being and, and to allow uh, my body to want that. So I want to be in the cold because I want to experience, to experience nature as, as, as directly as I possibly can. Yes. Yeah. So this is one of the keys to experience in nature as directly as possible. This has been a key to your nature-based yeah. spiritual awakening. And this is one that you also hope to make into a systematic spiritual evolutionary process for all of us. Right. What are some of the, yeah, continue going down this path. What are some of those systematic processes? Well, what's interesting is that, so three years ago on the 40th anniversary of getting Shaktipat, as it's Mm -hmm. called, from Muktananda, I knew that I would experience a rebirth of some kind. And what it was, was was to be literally experience myself as a child of the Father, Son, Mother Earth. So I just look at the sun and it reminds me of the father who sends his energy out in this stream to the feminine. The feminine receives it and creates all of this. Yes. You know, or as my father said from the pulpit, he said, God created man and he looked at man and said, I can do better than that and and created Eve. Mm. So the the feminine takes the masculine energy and then creates this amazing, I mean, millions of species. species it's yeah. so, it's, it's, it's so, I mean, I'm just, uh, mm-hmm. I just go into awe at, at what existence actually is. And so I try to experience that as purely directly and also as a child would in that pure, like, oh my God. I mean, I just see a bug. It's like, how do you do that? You know, like this little, I mean, it, whatever it is, it's so remarkable. So I can, I can go off on <laughs> reveling about nature. I love the <laughs> seeing the sun as the father and the mother earth receiving the, the energy and then being able to birth a hundred million species over time plus. And yeah, now we have about 10 or so million um, is what, we're, what, we're, what we've calculated. And, and that's still out of all of the species. There's one that is just unbelievably 
as a variable just weighted so much greater than all of the other ones. Mm -hmm. We are now stewards. We are now becoming gods uh, and we must increase our wisdom so that we can hold yield that power mm -hmm. and be able to preserve the light of consciousness spread the light spread creativity spread all these things further yeah. but i love how you can just look at all of the species in the oceans all the species on land and just like you can find you can fall in love with being in the sun you can fall in love with laying in the grass this is this you can in it you can feel like it's that is unity that's oneness it's purity yes. it's love yeah well it, it's it's a remarkable experience and and my shorthand way of talking about it is the sun human earth so this is so this form she. evolved evolved she. from the sun and the earth and so sun human earth is s-h-e she mm -hmm. so i um uh, i just um open to the the gift, the gift of, of being that, that I am she. I, that, so, and this is really important in terms of this whole notion, this whole spiritual notion of getting rid of your ego, mm. right? getting rid of the I. Mm. So, so when I was with Muktananda, so this is back in the 70s, so I did four years and there was a lot of that talk about getting rid of the eye and just not, you know, being one with everything, getting rid of the eye. The drop rejoining the ocean. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so that's a wonderful, that's a, uh, I, I think of that as a foundation. So once you do that, then how do you interact in this world? Yes. How do you bring the essence, this unique essence that we are, which is as important this is this is what we have to be here so as a child literally of she of, of the sun and the earth that evolved this form i am both humbled because compared to that i am uh, I'm, I'm, i think of myself as an ant <laughs> like i am an ant going about my in this magnificence yes and at the same time because i am of that magnificence I am magnificence myself. So yes. I, it's like the Lion King. So it, it's, it's recognizing that, and, and that's why actually experiencing it, because we live in a world where experience, what human beings experience is dwindling, right? We don't even, we don't, we rarely talk to people on the phone now. We write things and then we don't even feel them. We let our emojis indicate emotions for us so I just see these this is a trend where we're getting less and less human less and less emotionally present and, and and experiencing that whereas on the good side on the good side of life now there's so many models there's there, there's so much freedom to be when we lived in small tribes you were pretty much in what the tribe was and these tribes were self-sufficient they were in they were in the ecosystem and they pretty much stayed the same we live in this now it's unprecedented we can be anything and we have these models i mean the machines that are so amazing that, that humans have created they give us models we give us models i mean it used to be that you would have to write on parchment 
right? In order to change something that's written in parchment, that's mm. a big deal. Yeah. Now we just change things like that. So this idea of change is so much more possible now because we have these models that make sense to us, that, that, that show us how to do it. And we can take on these attributes in ways we couldn't before. Um, so, uh, I, I want you to um, speak to us um, about the things within the, like let's say that maybe the last you know, couple of decades as you've been refining your nature-based spiritual yeah. practice, um, and, and as you've been seeing the exponential technology age kick off and more and more of the, yeah. the devices are widespread, um, what are maybe some of those key she, the sun, human, earth yeah. practices right. that we can embody? Yet? So, so so one of my shorthand ways of thinking about it is that you can add she to anything. Okay, um, mm. and so so when I'm outside, so I'll be doing yoga. Okay, so I'll do yoga practices, and I mean, the, one of the most famous ones is obviously salutations of the sun. Mm -hmm. So I mean, that was designed to be done at with the sun, which we kind of did um, in the yeah. intro video after yeah. basketball. Right, we're yeah. just so we're we're so so when I'm standing there, I am a conduit between the sun and the earth, mm. and so I and I think of myself as this. The sun and the earth evolved me so that I could be that conduit. So I could expand my consciousness and, and, and lend that self to this interplay of sun and earth. And, um, and then there's another evolution of that because, um, well, I guess I'll go into it now and you can Please. ask me that question yes. again. So that truly is who we are. So as I said, it, it's both humbling and then also like glorious to be that. And it's, it's a way to keep on track. So when I was with Muktananda for four years, I meditated all that time. But the experience really was a lot from the neck up. So I'm in that oneness, like everything is one. I knew everything was one in nature that is bliss. That was my meditation. So. That was cool. I mean, that was really great. It's interesting to go back to the same ashram I was in then and meditate, and, I, and there's so much more embodiment now. So now it's my whole body mm. and my, is, is expanding. Mm. Um, this is the point I was going to make. Yeah. So it keeps me on track. So when we open to the universal, it's really easy to get off track. <laughs> It's really easy to sort of lose your bearings and it's like, okay, well, I know it's one, but like, so how I, how I conceptualize it is by staying on track with the sun and the earth, it's almost literally like I am in that vibration and I am in that alignment. I've really waited for fairly recently to go to the universal because I wanted to make sure I had this, I had this in place and really rooted because I've been very concerned about tapping into this energy, but if I'm not really on track, then I can get into trouble. So along with all this spiritual stuff, I have a, a master's in counseling psychology. I've been living with a therapist for the last six years who 
has been phenomenal to keep me on track and dealing with my own personal issues and going through my, my personal psychology because these, this unconscious that we have, and we all of us have unconscious, big areas of unconscious. I mean, Jung talked about the shadow. People, obviously, people know about this. But these things, they run us. Mm. I mean, Bruce Lipton, who developed the concept of epigenetics, he, among others, talk about 95% of us are unconscious. We're operating unconsciously. So I've been very, very um, careful to align myself up before I start like sharing this because frankly I've been scared shitless that I'm gonna like screw up <laughs> and I haven't wanted because I want to be in my full power mm. but I see how I'm run by things how, how yeah you know my issues with my mother so like one thing that happened was I, ex I had an experience on Mother's Day where I just felt that I was bonded with the earth and, and I just felt her and I was I'm with her, and, and I am from that. Mm -hmm. And there was a depth of experiencing that, that instantly I could feel my dynamic with my mother and with women change. Mm. That I had this root, like people talk about a secure bond, like, the, the, like you need a secure bond, mm -hmm. and they talk about the mother. Well, you can't get a secure bond with a human anymore. I mean, maybe at some point you could when we were indigenous and we were one with nature and the, the woman was embodiment. But nowadays, we're, to say it, uh, we're so screwed up. We have so, we have so many uh, areas that aren't clear in us that we can't help picking that up from our parents and from the culture. And so it's no one's fault, but we're not, we, we can't have a secure bond with life. And so that's what felt like happened, is that I, I felt this secure bond with existence. And then I didn't need my mother. <laughs> I didn't need uh, a woman or others to love me in a certain way. It was just, it just relaxed. And what I found is as I immerse myself in nature, and I spend three or four hours a day outside barefoot opening, mm. that that has supplanted um, my, uh, my trying to get that in the human realm. And, um, mm. interesting. So you passing these three to four hours a day in, uh, a deeper communion with the spirit of nature of the earth that gave birth to us and with the sun, this she process, you communing with that for multiple hours a day through a myriad of practices is one of the ways that you feel like has just accelerated your spiritual evolution and you yeah. think that others going deeper into this nature-based style is one of the biggest keys. It's, 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 it's essential. It's not like you can't, you can't meditate more, you can't chant more, you can't affirm more, you can't be in a we space more. You need nature. That is, that is where we come from. Uh, and it, 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 it's, it gives us so much energy, it gives us so much being, but it keeps us aligned. I mean, so, you know, practices, so I do yoga, I'm doing yoga outside, you know, I'm leaning in the trees, I'm with the earth, so that I'm opening to those spaces yes. 
And you know, when, I mean, that's a beautiful thing about yoga, you're stretching into those spaces. Well, I stretch into them, when my hands are feeling the earth, I'm taking in the energy of the earth as I open into this wonderful space. So nature just makes it better. It just, and I mean, think about it. People were doing yoga before, they were doing it outside. <laughs> they didn't have yoga mats. They were usually often touching the earth and doing it. Mm -hmm. and, but it's, it's just simply better. So I'll do that. I have, uh, sound is, is really important. So actually, let me say a little bit more about my, uh, my training with, with Muktananda. So his training, his path was to awaken Kundalini, mm -hmm. to transmit that through his touch. And then, and that sounds very far out for those that may not okay. be aware of that. So, so, so I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll okay. tell you in, in a easier way. I mean, one way to think about it is mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. One way to think about it is someone yawning or laughing. When someone does that, we're just more mm -hmm. able to do that. Mm -hmm. So this is just somebody who spent 40 years meditating hours a day in this state of consciousness. So it's it's simply conveying that. Mm. There's nothing. There's nothing fancy about it. Mm. There's nothing esoteric about it. It's just a simple transmission. He had a gift and he was able to, to transmit that. They bring so, that as wherever they go with them after you've practiced for decades of that. And you can direct it and you can be more, I mean, especially when you get good at it, then you can really direct it kind of thing. But every, but I mean, you know, there's so many people who are doing hands-on healing. I mean, it's just, it's just the nature of existence to transmit what we can to others. And then also this capacity, everything is interconnected, right? Everything is. Everything is this energetic soup. So if you're, I mean, that's what I do in nature, is just open as much as I can. But that's what I did with my, so my spiritual teacher was, that was his path, was, was, to, was to get that. Now, so I started doing this nature-based thing, and then a year into that, I heard from someone who knew my is Swami Muktananda. He said, "Do you know who Dattatreya is?" So Dattatreya is in is a Hin, back in uh, Eastern spirituality, Hinduism, or even before that. He was a guru, who in the same tradition, the city tradition, but he was the primordial guru. He didn't have a teacher, a human teacher. He worshipped nature, so he worshipped the sun, the earth, the elements, and animals. Yes. So I didn't know that, but that was in my tradition. Mm. So. Um, that was such a wonderful confirmation for me that I was on the right, right track and so I just started doing things like there's an ash ashram in Oakland and I would sit there and there are three sessions and I would go in the hall and open to this the energy there and then I would go outside mm -hmm. and practice outside and the same thing I would do the same thing which is to open non-conceptually so what I do is I do my best to open non-conceptually mm. to allow myself to be informed by this magnificence that's beyond you know that which created this I have no idea how that could happen how 60 trillion cells could be operating but that's what's going on here mm -hmm. and I open to the genius and the magnificence that created all that yes. and, and do my best to get out of any thought I have about it or any concept and simply open to it. So I do different, I mean, I have different mantras. Uh, mantras are uh, every moment new is a mantra I do. Mm -hmm. you know, every moment, every moment new, new yeah, which yeah, is true. Yeah. So um, the biggest practice is my breath. Mm -hmm. So my dad was a reform rabbi to get to the sim simple 
the essence of what Judaism was. In this case, I'm trying to get to the essence of what spirituality is. So it starts with breath. So breath is, it's, it's the polarity. So uh, yeah. dancing with polarities is huge. Yeah. Okay, so in and out. So we, we're given that. We're given the way to get familiar with the outgoing breath and yes. the incoming breath. Just like, you know, so... The teacher that's always with us. It's always with us. And, and, and so, you know, I used to do, whenever I would get off track, it's like, okay, I'm going to do five breaths. I'm just going to do five breaths, yeah. not conceptually. I'm here. And what I found was, you know, to train myself. So by the fifth breath, I was back in it. Mm -hmm. I was back in that state, in that alignment with, with, uh, with what is, yeah. as much as I could. Um, so, you know, and more now... Consci living more consciously after that. Versus living more unconsciously prior to that deeper connection via the breath yeah. to nature. So and 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 actually inhaling through my nose, mm -hmm. that happened a year and a half ago, and that really changed things for me. That um, there's something called buteco breathing that helps with asthma, but this idea of breathing in through your nose that um, what I found is so breathing in through your mouth. For me, it, it, it creates more anxiety. So it's like, like I'm, I'm, I can gasp for breath or I can hold my breath. So it, when I just breathe in through my nose, then I'm taking in. And especially when I'm in nature, I'm taking in and I'm just taking in goodness. So there's, no, there's nothing in the way of simply allowing that to come in and inform me. And so that's what I do, and sometimes you know I can do. Uh, the latest thing I've done is I have a double, three-part breath. So I'll breathe in through my nose. <coughs> I'm usually standing when I do this. Well, let's do it. We have we have a shot where we can stand while okay. we do this. Let's do the exercise together. Ah. Uh, so Are we yeah. in frame, Maury? Yes, Alan. You got space to your left. Okay. Yeah. That good? Good? You got plenty. Okay. Good. Right, go ahead. Cool. So the in-breath, so I breathe in through my nose, belly, chest, and then head. So, so Okay. Okay. Through and then, head. so then I'll breathe in as all I can, and then I'll breathe in through my mouth, belly, chest, and head. Okay. Okay, cool. Let's so, see the okay. difference and feel the difference. So, so it's, okay. it's, so there's actually, so. So where are we starting? Nose or mouth? So so we start. We always start with nose. Start with nose. Start okay. with nose. Okay. Breathe into your belly, chest, and then. Breathe in belly. And you can retain your breath, or just or just let it flow. So that. That's a really deepening. So it's 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 getting the nose. So it, it's 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 rooting with the nose into yourself, and then by breathing in through your mouth, then you can even then you can really expand even more. So and and I just find so so there's that freedom of of opening. And so with Muktananda, he he uh, kriyas would happen around him. So the idea was to, when you're in meditation, and, and back in the day, in the back of the hall, people would be doing like 
making sounds and yes. moving and just it's just a spontaneous whatever you're it's trusting the body whatever wants to happen uh, so when I'm in nature so it's so like this movement it's this, it, there's everything is movement everything is moving yes. and so it's as I'm loosening and opening and allowing then I just find my body just naturally I mean this shaking is yeah. something that people ought to recommend yes, is, is, yes, is to yes, be open yes, yes. the idea that so, I mean, we want to have our, our consciousness open and expanded. Well, if your body is open and expanded, yeah. then it's, it's just going to follow yeah. that your consciousness is going to follow that. So, uh, I think about full spectrum. So, I think about the, the, the physical, emotional, mental, and consciousness. Mm. Like, how to have all of them open and free. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, how to feel anything. So whatever I feel, good and bad, I simply go back to my, because, you know, sometimes I'll feel just, oh my God, this is so amazing, I'm one with the ecosystem, this is so phenomenal, and it, right? But then it's like, just go to my breath, don't get wrapped up in it, right? Don't get wrapped up in this, what I would call the small I, the small I, and the small I, one way you know you're in your small eye is when you're thinking about evaluation. Self-evaluation or, or thinking about what others might think, mm. right? Mm -hmm. That's small eye thinking. So, um, versus big eye. Versus big, yeah. Big, so, as I was saying before, as she, I'm both the ant, but I'm connected to everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, Shall we? So, so I am, we can sit, yeah. Okay. So I'm, in a sense, I'm both simultaneously. I am, uh, it's not, it's, so what I was saying before, it's not like your ego goes away. It's not like your, your, your essence goes away. I am that, and I'm fully that, but I'm at the same time, I'm connected to the magnificence, and I'm one. So mm -hmm. I don't get wrapped up in it. <laughs> I experience it, and of course, we have these needs, we have these desires to connect and to be valued and to all the interpersonal stuff that's going on and it's a matter of acknowledging that and then opening to our, our bigger self as well. So another really powerful aspect of nature-based spiritual evolution is that uh, nature is the best teacher. So when we're in in immersed in nature when you actually go and lay down in the grass you actually get to see the grass and you get to see the nuance of the dirt and the insects and all those things then when you get closer to a tree when you're actually there hugging the tree smelling the tree touching the tree more finely actually just being there with it and feeling its roots and its leaves and how it houses so many other creatures that live within it so it, there's like a just a more again it becomes the best teacher you get to see the flight of a butterfly you get to you get to see the squirrel jump from a branch to another branch and these yeah. are the things the, the way that the ants actually move together yeah. so it's just it becomes the best teacher in a sense you actually and then, of course, of all these, like, decreasing cortisol, decreasing inflammation, yeah. increasing spiritual connection yeah. to unity, all yeah. these types of things. It just 
you learn so much from being a student yeah. of nature. Yeah. Hmm. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. like to take it up a notch too. Well, right. So there's forest bathing. I'm, I'm going for the forest uh, immersion mm -hmm. and just the you know the fire hose yeah so so often I'll use plant medicine to do that okay so um, when I was with Muktananda and when I raised my kids most of the time for 25 years I didn't drink or, or smoke marijuana at all because mm -hmm. I wanted to demonstrate that you don't need these things mm. in order to mm -hmm. to enjoy life and mm -hmm. engage in life mm -hmm. and then but uh, marijuana, especially for me, was a real opening when mm. I was in college. It mm. really opened me to a whole nother realm. And so I'm using that in a sacred way. Yes. So I use marijuana when I'm outside. Mm. And I also use it when I... So freeform dance is another thing that's... Th so I was doing freeform dance and I'm still doing it. But... Three, uh, three times a week for, it's been four years. Are we talking a couple... I'm talking about ecstatic... milligrams? Ecstatic, I'm talking about do dosing of, of cannabis. Oh, cannabis. A couple so, milligrams or so? so? What are we talking about? I, I, uh, I'm not... Um, what I do is I take a hit. Off of a... I, I take, I have a, a pipe, pipe. And, I, and I like doing it natural. Like a burnt, like blazing. burnt flower. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like using my wooden match. Yes, yes. And I, and, I, and, I, and I do it and I go, Om Bamale Shiva Shakti, Om Bamale Shiva Shakti. So in the tradition of India, these sadhus, going back, they would worship Shiva and they would smoke cannabis. I mean, this is part of the spiritual tradition in, in, in that part of the world. And of course, obviously, there's many traditions that, that use... Uh, sacred plant medicine because it's tuning me into nature <laughs> it, it's simply I mean what, what marijuana does it it opens the gating mechanisms to experience more mm. so wherever I am it it opens me more so mm -hmm. I don't need it so I mean you saw me today yeah. I wasn't I wasn't on anything yeah. I just yes. I just I'm out there and it just yes it's just vibrating me and I think it's really important to use these, these plant medicines are here. It's, it's the earth is giving us these gifts. Secreting them. To use in the best way possible to reconnect. So In a sacred way. In a sacred way. And, and to me, one way people say, well, what's sacred? That sounds so mm -hmm. like, I don't. To me, anything that's connected to nature is sacred. Even like sacrificing, Sac sacred comes from sacrifice. Sacrificing your sense of yourself <laughs> in this mediated world, like that existence is small, I, the, the Joshua Stewart Silver, or Silver that I am. That's, I need to sacrifice that smaller sense of myself to open to something more, something bigger. Mm -hmm. so, that's, so that's nature, so that's what I do. So I take a hit. And generally, I'll wait a half hour or I'll, what I do is, because it, it troubles me so much the way I see so much of marijuana being used. 
I see it being used like alcohol to mm -hmm. numb people. Mm -hmm. and, and, and even the practice of, it's often the case where like, you, you take a hit and it's like, oh, I'm coming down, I'm going to take another hit. To like, so I challenge myself. So I generally challenge myself to open more than I ever have. So when I take a hit, I tell myself, you have never been this high before. This is, this is, this is the highest you've ever been because this evolutionary path Every day is the next step. So when I take a hit, it's like, okay, I'm going to open and experiencing more expansion than I ever have. Mm -hmm. And then when I do, I reward myself with another hit. So generally, I take a couple of hits over the course of three hours. Occasionally, I might take another one if I'm not longer, but that's generally what my, what my practice has been. And I've done that pretty much every day for, it's going on 29 months. Mm. So it's like 860 days or some, some, some number in there of simply opening. And I, I think of it as um, expanded consciousness food. That when I'm in nature and I'm receiving, I am simply opening and allowing myself to be transformed. And um, we can talk more about that, like what, what it's possible with that, but what I'll say about it, because it's, it's, it's an extreme thing that I'm doing. And one reason I'm doing it is because I look around me, because I go back to my roots. My, uh, when I was with Muktananda, all I could think about is how can, I, how can I be of service? How can I be of service? Please let me be of service. Please let me be of service. And when I look at the world and it's so troubled right now that well, Joanne and Macy talked about three different things that are important. It's important to stop the, stop the horrific things that are happening. It's important to take care of those who have been harmed by it. Mm. And it's, the third thing is it's important to create new models. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I had a, a nonprofit where I was the fatherhood initiative where I was helping fathers, mm. low-income dads, you know, back in the day, um, and taught parenting classes and that kind of thing. Now, what it seems like this organism is designed for is to explore this new paradigm, this new possibility of what the emerging metahuman can be. And so I've been on this quest to open myself and I just as I, I often think about for almost a billion years there's only one celled creatures on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then they were clogging the, the oceans and and life was not, didn't look like it was going to survive. And then, somehow, these one-cell creatures figured out how to get energy from the sun. Mm. Photosynthesis. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Once that happened, this huge proliferation of life on the planet. Yeah. Well, when I'm out there, I'm thinking, well, if one-cell creatures can figure out how to get energy from the sun, mm. I got lots of, and, and we have cells, you know, we're very much similar, the, the cells we have that are like plants, we still have them in our body. They're like, I've heard 60% similar as, you know, a tree. The cells we have that are tree-like from when we evolved through that process. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking there, and I might be crazy, but I'm also like thinking, well, the world is really in trouble. I'm going to open 
and see if I can bring in something new, some energy, some consciousness, something. There's a further evolution. I mean, evolution happened. I think people think, well, that was in the back in the day. There was evolution. Now there's no evolution. We've already achieved what it is we're supposed to achieve. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Human beings are, are are where we are, but I mean. We can still evolve. I mean, that's, that's, so I'm open. So, I mean, there's some things that I've noticed. I've noticed that my energy is, I mean, I'm 64 years old. I, I have no regular yoga practice. I have no regular physical activity that I just do. I don't eat a special diet. I used to, you know, I studied nutrition in college. I know about nutrition. I eat a good balance, but I don't, I don't take no supplements. And yet, I just was a you know um, I was just at uh, Outside Lands, the festival in San Francisco. You know, for 13 hours a day, you know, 13 hours I'm just playing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just have energy, and it feels like it's it's simply allowing nature, and the sun, the earth, to play through this this mm -hmm. physical form, and. Whatever energy I have, uh, it just comes through when, when it's called. When some, if someone's dancing, I'm going to dance with them. If someone's playing, I'm going to play with them. And I open and, and allow nature to play through me enough for that to happen. So uh, it's pretty remarkable. I've had healing things too that I could mm -hmm. go into. But. So we can use plant medicines in a sacred and responsible way to assist us with this nature-based spiritual evolution. Also, I think, I think it's yes. really important. I think it's uh, because we live in such a dense or a world that, that, that's so cut off from nature that a lot of these traditional ways are not sufficient to the world we live in. So, you know, 2,000 years ago, if you were meditating, you lived in a world that was pretty much nature-based, right? We weren't that far removed, and so meditation could help us get back in touch with that. Nowadays, I don't see that at all. I don't see people having, like, meditating and being able to overcome the fact that 24-7 we're being bombarded with just horrible things. <laughs> and just, but even, not even horrible, but the, the fact that, as I said in the beginning, we used to be in tribes of 150 people. To, to like having to be know all these tragedies that are happening all over the world, we simply are not designed emotionally to, to handle that. A machine can handle it. A, 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 a left brain can like, oh yes, another massacre. But as an emotional being, we, we, we simply are not designed for that. And, and, you know, when I raised my kids without TV, back in the, this is back in the 90s, when they said 8,000, you'd see, a, a, by the time you got to be 18, you'd see 8,000 murders or deaths or something. Like, that inherently desensitizes a human being. Mm -hmm. You can't, you just have to be desensitized. So I look around the world today, to go back to your initial question, and I see a world where people are, extremely desensitized mm. and you don't know it because that's just the world we're in but compared to just look at a baby <laughs> look at a mm -hmm. child mm -hmm. that's open 
and but but even then, it's hard to see. <laughs> even children who are being born are being born into this world. Thomas Hubel, I just heard him, really beautifully talk about just that we're born into trauma. We're just born into this, and 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 how challenging that is to, but but to acknowledge that that in this amazing world we're just traumatized and we're we're operating in a in a everyone has PTSD <laughs> it's just subclinical but it, it, it just it's just who we are as a species at this point and we aim to sensitize ourselves more by going through this nature-braced practice and that's what's so hard about it because it's it is a real leap it is a real leap to open and it's essential. It's essential. And then it helps you be with other, so being with nature helps you be with human nature and, and another human being. Because mm -hmm. then you're like, oh, I can open to this magnificence that you are. Even though there might be behaviors or outer things, or I might be, you know, but to keep going to that place of, of, of connecting and seeing this magnificence that's in each of us. Each, every human being. Yes, yes. Deep eye contact periods really help a lot with that. Yeah. 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 Mm. And that sensitizing ourselves more to that magnificence and being mm. very aware of that Dunbar number like you're describing, 150, and uh, how we get desensitized by the things that are happening in the 8 billion sphere and that, that amount of people. Yeah. Let's, um, let's talk about play. Let's talk about yeah. how you play. Yeah. Um, will you grab the the disc for us? Will you, will you go get the disc? Can we share that on the program? Would you be sure. Would you be okay with that? Okay, cool. Yeah, go go grab it for us. I want to. I will really want to share that with everyone. We played. We played with this. With this knitted disc for, I don't know, maybe almost an hour at the. Uh, the earlier part of the day. Here's the pretty one. I love it. The pretty one. It's so gorgeous. So these are pocket discs. Yeah. And these are really neat because you can fold them up just like this and just bring them with you so easily anywhere. And this one's obviously gorgeously knit. This is handmade in Guatemala, fair trade, 100% cotton. And then it's also, if you guys are interested, it's pocketdisc.com. And but also you can contact me and I can uh, yes. both demonstrate it. And uh, because it's... Yes, let's... So, have, so, so, let's so, so yeah. the thing about this play is so important because it helps us get in touch with our child uh, aspects. And uh, you can do all sorts of things with this. <laughs> Good catch. Uh. <laughs> and so, so yeah, we were playing yeah, around. Yeah, so so, so using both hands. So so Diving play. Around. So play is is. Uh, it's an antidote to both machine and left brain. So I I see that we, mm. I mean I love my mind. So uh, the mind that can contemplate these things that create create all these things, and when it is running things and, and overwhelmed, then we, we forget about play. So uh, I, do, I do see a dichotomy between machines and 
and even life and, and play. So play is one like machines, when you think about having play in something, when you have a machine, like you don't want to have play in it, right? It has to be exactly so. Well, this is not exactly so. <laughs> and this thing, it's not, like you don't even throw it the same way. You can, and, and it's soft, you can play and you, you hit people. Hit I, I, I play with kids all the time. So, um, but be able to play with both hands, to, do, to have creativity, to mm -hmm. never do the same thing twice. That Ooh, that is those, those are great, yeah, because that, that works on the ambidextrous side of things, both hands, feet, you play with feet, you're yeah. mobile, you're moving, you're never doing the same thing twice, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, and, and yeah. It's, so, um, <laughs> it's, um, play is a primordial need. It, you know, the original, um, Stuart Brown studied, this was uh, when they first having mass killings. And um, he was, this was like, like what, what the hell's going on? We, you know, we didn't understand that, you know, that's more common now. And he studied and he found that the, the one thing that was common among mass killers was a profound lack of play in childhood. Wow. <clears throat> so... Play just play is natural. It gets us in touch with what's natural and what and, and being spontaneous and being in the moment. Yeah. So yeah. so that's why it's so good. And um, as I say, it's an antidote to having be having to be rigid and being flexible. Yeah. And 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 so as it, we expand our consciousness, this is a physical way to expand your consciousness. And yeah. uh, and it doesn't matter like and. and we're so focused on outer, right? So as I say, I was co-captain of the high school basketball team and soccer team, so I know about competition. Mm -hmm. I know about achieving. I know about you know, doing things well. But so, but so much of sport is not play. It's, it's like work and self-esteem. So to be able to do something mm. where you're not focused on how you're doing. So with this thing, what I like doing is it's not a matter of whether you necessarily catch it or not, but mm -hmm. when we're just throwing, it's like how quickly can you retrieve it and throw it in the general direction of someone. Oh, yeah. So it, it's, it's, you're, you're not evaluating yourself and, and, you, and you keep it moving. So mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't get lost in like, oh, well, I missed that. Or it's like before you can think that it's coming back again. And it's, it's and there are different games that I've developed with this as well. But this is, and it's natural, and it's beautiful. And um, so this is, this is uh, my way to introduce the whole concept of, um, of, of nature and of, of, of joy. Yeah. Of joy. So another one of my mantras is, like, is an inquiry. How to enjoy this moment? How to enjoy this moment? And and that simply asking that question is an expansive, playful response. I mean, generally it's it's opening more, it's feeling good. But but that like the mind is good when you give it a good question like that. How to enjoy this moment? And your mind and your body can figure out how to do that. Yeah. So that's a. Uh, 
Yeah, that's one of my go-tos. There's people that say, oh, I'm not coordinated or whatever right. the excuse limiting belief is. And then within moments, they're just being able to throw a toss and catch it up play. Little children get so excited because you're playing and they want to play and they bond. It's a harmonious bond. And, and so, well, yeah, know, I, are- I, I've, I've seen magic with these. And I mean, it's, uh, I mean, one thing, see, we're having generations now of kids who have parents who didn't know how to play, who haven't played much. Yeah. So I just see it and, but, what's so beautiful is that it can come back. So, I mean, I've been with kids who have been on the autistic spectrum and I throw it at them and they like have no response. Like, like it's like they never caught anything before. <laughs> or that, I mean, it's just like, and I mean, I've seen kids go from that response to in five minutes, just jumping and, and screeching and playing, mm-hmm. you know, eight, nine-year-old kids, and then, and then the little ones, the little ones, <laughs> I mean, the two-year-olds who just, they're just enjoy, like this one, uh, this one little gal, <laughs> she's two years old, and I was playing with her, and she would just like go up to people, like she just wanted, she would just go up to them and just throw it to other people, just like, play with me, play with, play me. with me, just yeah. like, play is inherent, it's, it's, it, it, we're animals. And, and we, we forget that at our peril. Mm-hmm. So this is a way of getting in touch with, with both the, the, the childlike part of us and also the, the animal part of us, yes. which is also that's essential. That's where our energy is. That's where our creativity is. That's where our learning mm-hmm. is best when, we're, when we're, our, our, we're, we're a child. And we, if we tap back into that, we have, it gives us access to that that vitality and also that expanding consciousness. Yes, yes. As our star shines, then it can help sh- other stars shine. I love that. That's an yeah. incredible way to put it. Um, I have some questions that I yes. want to ask you about yeah. just uh, life in general. Um, what has been um, your relation with seeing source as a unique creative expression like creation like we're all paint strokes or notes that are being played in the symphony or the big art canvas of creation Hmm. is that how do you feel about that is that about how you feel about it or how do you see it we are unique expressions of this magnificence and i think the universe has created such miraculous, abundant uh, expressions. And we are one of that. So I trust that. And so, and then we get to connect, right? So we just played basketball today. So, I mean, when we're playing together, I mean, it's just so beautiful when we're passing, you know, when we're, when we're working in sync. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that you know, I can have an experience, but if I can connect with another brilliant expression of it, and then we can find ways to have this positive feedback loop, we're, we're just building on this joy. So, um, yes. being, so I love doing freeform dance. 
And uh, so there's ecstatic dance. I do something called five rhythms or open floor. Um, but basically, it's expressing yourself with other people. Um, and so we are this. So that's such, to me, it's also essential. I mean, I don't see how you can get to the place of being free without listening to music. I mean, it's just the best way to just let it, just listen to the music, and then it's a meditation. It's a moving, interactive meditation. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's, it's very good at letting go of my own, uh, my own psychological issues. So if I see someone and I want to impress them, or I want to look good, or all these things that, that are in us, that want to, you know, that in, the, in dance, if I'm doing that, then I'm not, I'm not in the flow, right? So it's, it's, it's going back. So yeah. at dance, one thing I'll do is like, during the, t I will take time, you know, I'll drink water, but several times during dance, I will, I will pull myself back from that, I will sit down, I will get centered, I will open to she, and then I allow she to come through me. Mm -hmm. And then I will do something which I, I call uh, tuning in to the joy channel. Mm. So when I'm dancing with others, I'm open and I'm open to that place of joy and playfulness in them and connection. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, then there's a synergy that happens and uh, then it can really grow. Then we're really talking. So in terms of, of, of connecting in nature, connecting to ourselves, and then sharing that, there's a synergy that we can tap into that is really extraordinary. Yes. Does it feel like we are on the Tao or the path, or does it feel like we are off of the Tao or the path? With My our sense is, is that the trends are to knock us further off. So. I've been dancing for several years now, and I see more separateness. I see it harder for people to connect. I see that, that it's a risk, just like it, it's a risk to do that, and people, for the most part, and this is a generalization, but the trend is to be more self-conscious, to be more afraid of like putting yourself out there and getting criticized or, or being uh, there's something wrong with me, that, that it, it's, there's a risk in, 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 and, and the default more is, oh, well, I'm not going to interact because, it's, because it brings stuff up. And so it's easier just to, to be in my own space. And there's a lot more permission for that to, to like, well, it's just more normal. I mean, you know, I touch my head when I get upset, but like, uh, you know, just being out in public, I mean, People are so separate from each other. You're, you know, if you're uh, on a, you know, BART, you're on a train, like, rarely do people interact with each other. And, 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 and for me, that's just really hard because I just love interacting with people and I love playing. I mean, I take this on, I take this on BART, I take yeah, this on, yeah. on buses, I take it out in public and I just throw it at people because, yeah. you know, so that's, but what I see <coughs> is that that's, just increasingly hard for people to get out of their shell, to get out of their concerns that we're, we're just so in our minds and so locked in cons just concerns and worries that it's, it's hard to, 
to reach out to another person. How are we leveraging the exponential technologies uh, and how often are our leverage points towards our nature-based spiritual evolution and how often are they distractive um, away from that and actually away from harmonizing with nature and with each other? It's an excellent, excellent point. Um, do you feel like the relationship of, um, what, how do you feel about the relationship between free will and determinism? <laughs> <laughs> Well, one way I like to think about it is, you know, what created all this, I don't know. And we can talk about uh, <clears throat> synchronicities and like how that can happen in a universe that's random. But um, uh, your question Free will and determination. Free, free, free yeah. Will. yeah. So what I say is, I don't know if this is a simulation or someone's controlling all this, but I'm fucking going to take my next breath and I'm going to open to the magnificence ah. and, and nothing's going to stop me from taking this breath and opening to the magnificence as fully as I can. So I don't know if I have free will. I don't know ultimately because there's, I mean, I've had so many synchronicities. I have so many things like it's just like this is yeah. mind-boggling. Yeah. But, but okay, yes, so, then, yes, so, yes. so this, okay. We live in a synchronistic universe. No one could have predicted when this earth started four and a half billion years ago that this would happen, mm. right? Mm. That, that, that human beings would evolve from that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only that, but the synchronicity of, of how that happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you know about the moon? You know where the moon came from? From a collision? Something, okay, so something smashed in the earth. The moon came out of the earth, mm -hmm. okay? I didn't realize this. Until, the moon is a quarter of the size of the earth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's huge. Something hit the earth and a quarter of it is now 250,000 miles away orbiting us. Mm -hmm. Well, until that happened, earth was spinning way faster. It was spinning so fast that like seasons and like the weather systems couldn't exist the way they do now. But because the moon got positioned where it is and the size of it is, it actually slowed Earth's rotation considerably mm -hmm. that allowed seasons to happen, that allowed this ecosystem to form the way it did. Mm -hmm. That's total synchronicity. Yeah. <clears> that <throat> that would happen. And then the same thing about the dinosaurs. Yeah, correct. Right? The dinosaurs being destroyed. Now, uh, that, that, that series that Will Smith narrates, the uh, blue ball, blue, strange blue ball or something like that. It's not strange blue something. I just saw this thing and it's like, so, you know, the, 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 the meteor hit and, and we went into the cold and, and, and everything. Well, the reason why it was, it, it's, it was so toxic is because it landed in a sulfur field. <coughs> so it was in Yucatan. So sulfur went up into the atmosphere. That's what poisoned everything. It wasn't just like landing anywhere. If it landed in the ocean, it wouldn't have happened. The difference between where it landed and landed in the ocean, the Earth is spinning a thousand miles an hour on its axis, right? Once 24 hours, it's right, thousand miles. If it was like two seconds later, it would have gone in the ocean and not where it landed. So <clears throat> I get choked up because it's just a synchronistic universe. Yeah. 
that, that allowed all of this to happen. Yes. And so... Um, Some argue that it may not necessarily be just so synchronistic, but rather there are, um, there are, there is, there are other powers that are at play yeah. um, in this grand experiment that's happening. And that's a very interesting topic well, as well. So if, if there are other powers that are allowing synchronicity to happen, the same ones that, you know, so whatever, whatever is above this synchronistic magnificence that's happening, I don't give a shit about those things. Like that's, that's beyond my pay grade, right? Like that's happening. In this reality, I certainly feel like I have free will and I'm gonna get very fucking thing I can to open to the magnificence as fully as I can. That's all I know. Yes. Uh, so to me, it's, it's, yes. it, it's not even worth thinking about. And the last question that we like are asking our guests, what are your, do you think is the most beautiful thing in the world? The most beautiful thing? Mm. Uh, the most beautiful thing is, is any point, anything in creation that exists, that, that, that boggles the mind. Now, of course, I mean, I raised children. I was there, I was a midwife for one of my children's birth. Okay, so that certainly was a beautiful moment to be in an adobe house, a hundred-year-old adobe house with my three kids by, by candlelight mm. as our baby came into the world. It was just my wife and I, I delivered the baby. Wow. Okay, so, wow. so that was a beautiful moment Yeah. to have that. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. That, that, yeah. And beauty is everywhere. Beauty is simply everywhere. Mm -hmm. Every aspect of, of creation and even the beauty of this trial that we're going through, the beauty of the human spirit. I mean, <laughs> just seeing human beings who, who are being treated like shit. They're just like, they're just subject to all this shit. And everything, everything coming out of the media, everything that people have to do. I'm sorry, I'm going to talk, take a little longer because this is so... I just did this African dance class and they were saying these are the motions that the women would do to encourage the men to do the farming, the hard work, right? And I think about... Carl Jung wrote a book it's, it's, it's a collection of his books about nature that's so, Earth has a soul. Mm. And what he says is, think about, about the farmer and the farmer's wife who create this family. <laughs> this family that just is there to work the soil and to create food to give the people that they care about, mm. right? That, that they have work that's meaningful. And, and think about how that feels to be a person who has meaningful work that's, con that's connected to all things yes. compared to someone who's like working in an office job that has this is like it sees no value in what they do that, that right so what I when you ask about beauty I think about the human beings who work they do this work that's not meaningful they, I mean they're given uh, and then uh, I mean obviously the most vulnerable who have just been 
so oppressed, mm. but the human spirit that shines through, that people are so good. Mm. I mean, I taught parenting classes in the jail for several years. I mean, there's not bad people. People are just magnificent. And despite everything, that, you know, it's not surprising to me when someone does something that's mean or even horrific. It's almost like it's surprising how little that happens compared to people who've, who've gotten nothing, who've been given so little, and yet they're so basically good. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's beautiful yeah, to yeah. me. It's so critical to help uplift the level of basic needs being met around the world Mm. so people can bring their gifts most fully forth and shared with their selves, their families, their communities, and the world at large. It's a main principle of our ethos. Thank you so much yeah. for this conversation. And I'm going to throw, throw in another political thing. I, Andrew Lang, I just found out about him, and I'm not saying like he should be president, but the fact that he's bringing up that GDP does not measure everything. When he says, my wife takes care of our kids, and it has no value to GDP, it has no value, and you see all this emphasis on, on money as God. Money is now God, and the outer is God and not the inner, and not the human qualities, and not the caring. And, mm. and that, that's an essential conversation to have mm. as we move forward, that it's not just about how GDP goes, but it's about human beings and nature, and, and, and that's what we need to value. Yeah. So. Thank you. Oh, Thanks for giving me this. This has been so amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, brother. Love you too, man. Love you so much. You are incredible. I love this conversation <laughs> so much. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Very enlightening. Yeah. It's just nature-based spiritual evolution, um, doing that and getting more and more used to our, our endeavoring in that direction. Waking up in the morning and when we go to bed at night, instead of rolling over and grabbing the devices, um, instead of that, go out and connect to the sunlight, stretch your body, connect to the breath, via the breath. There's just so unlimited amount of practices and um, to do nature-based spiritual evolution is critical. I love it. This has been such a great conversation. Thank you everyone for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. Also, do check out the links in the bio below and support Josh on his endeavor, support us, support the organizations around the world that you believe in, the spiritual leaders, the artists, the entrepreneurs. You can find all our links below to our Patreon, our cryptocurrency, our PayPal. You can design cool merch and get paid. All those links are below. And again, just share more of these conversations with your friends, families, coworkers, people online. Go on more nature-based spiritual evolutionary journeys. Please go do that more, everyone. And go and build the future, everyone. Manifest your dreams into the world. We love you very much. Thank you, Ori Shapiro, for producing. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll see you.